I specifically remember being in a dressing room, um, changing, seeing my stomach, looking at it and just being like, I look fucking pregnant, man. <laughs> you're like, this isn't even the body dysmorphia talking. <laughs> Straight up, bitch, you're pregnant. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. Today, as I'm recording this, it is Sunday the 10th, and it is World Mental Health Day, apparently. Uh, I started writing a post about it on Facebook, and I ended up writing an essay by accident about uh, suicidal ideation and my history with it and... um, Yeah, mental health is obviously really important to me, but I didn't really talk about it a lot before I started this podcast. I felt like if I followed all the rules and did what I was told and didn't get in anyone's way, then things would work out. (laughs) And we know, of course, that that's utter bullshit, Um, but that doesn't make it any less painful. So yeah, happy World Mental Health Day. Um, Do something nice for yourself. The very first episode of this podcast, actually, I think I was talking about self-care and one of the pieces of advice that someone said was to buy some nice comfy socks. And since we are heading into the holiday season, it's going to get cold out. This is the perfect time of year to do that. So I stand by that advice. Today's episode is one that I've been wanting to make for a long time. I grew up in a super Christian household, very conservative family, and so naturally I was taught that abortion is murder, and obviously now I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I am pro-choice all the way. I don't think the government should control anyone's bodies. but you know, women's bodies should be nobody's business but their own. And with everything going on uh, with Texas, it's been really weighing heavily on my mind. Uh, I lived in Austin for four years, and it's one of my favorite cities. And so, when I heard the news about the abortion ban over there, I just broke my heart. And I think it's so important to talk about what these women are going through. Like, we're not just walking uteruses. (laughs) We're human beings with agency. And the fact that, you know, we're losing some of that agency is just terrifying to me. Um, With that said, I really, really wanted to approach this topic with respect because I I know a lot of people have differing opinions on it. And I didn't want it to turn into a political episode by any means. Um, I did a call out asking people to send in their abortion stories. And my friend Mary volunteered. She very bravely um, talked to me about her experience, not just with her abortion, but um, she's had a rocky road with her mental health and uh, abusive relationships and all this stuff. So what is going to happen is you're going to get a two-part episode for the first time ever. This episode is part one. 
we're going to talk about her life leading up to her abortion and the things that she's had to go through. And then we'll end with the actual procedure. And then next week, we're going to talk about all the repercussions that she had to deal with afterwards. I know sometimes this podcast takes on a comedic tone and we we love to laugh about how fucked up we are and all that, but I just want everyone to know that I do really respect this topic and despite what I believe about abortion, um, I just want to respect everyone's opinions and all I ask is that you think about the woman's mental health when you are approaching abortion. I, I think people think that women who get them are just unfeeling monsters, but it's the farthest thing from the truth. Uh, I'm, there's another episode that I'm editing now um, that also deals with abortion from a slightly different perspective. This man and his wife were trying to have a baby and um, they had to get an abortion for safety reasons, um, quality of life and all that. And it's just a heartbreaking story, but uh, look out for that as well in the next couple weeks. But yeah, before I go into my conversation with Mary, I want to read a message that I got from a listener a few weeks ago. I've been meaning to share it, but um, life's been crazy. I got laid off. All this shit happened. But um, anyway, it is from a longtime listener who goes by Orion. They said, hey, Christina, just wanted you to know how important your work is for me since I found the podcast and listened to every episode like a lifeline recently because I was so surprised that someone shares my unspoken but not unique homeschooled Christian big family recovering mental patient baggage. The audio diaries you post even inspired me to start recording my own, and it's been a total game changer for processing thoughts and feelings. Cheering you on and celebrating your wins and your honesty is so encouraging. I'm starting to open up to talking about my disorders and shameful struggles, and it is so hard. Helps to have your bold example to inspire me and so many other people who your voice reaches. Please keep struggling toward your peace and healing because it's a fight you'll never be alone in. Like, how sweet is that? I I, I think I got that on a really rough day, uh, and it just encouraged me so much. Thank you so much for writing it, Orion. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. And I also wanted to say, um, I have not always been making audio journals. It's actually a recent thing for me. Um, I got the idea from Kai Plant, who has the podcast Feelin' Weird. Uh, They were on my podcast a few episodes ago. Um, Look up the the one called Shame-Based Artist. But they were the one that published their audio journals on their podcast regularly and I liked the idea so much that I just started doing it and I'm so happy to hear that other people are doing it too and also I like what you said at the the end of your message uh please keep struggling toward your peace and healing I like that just the idea of struggling towards something one of my favorite quotes is life is a struggle but that doesn't mean you have to struggle needlessly I forget where I got it from, if I made it up or if I found it somewhere, but I tell myself that all the time because sometimes it does feel like this is all headed towards nothing. Like life is random and what's the point if we're just going to struggle all the time? That kind of ties back into uh, what I was saying about suicidal 
ideation earlier. It can be really hard to find a reason to live sometimes, but as long as we keep talking about it and supporting each other, then I think, I think we'll be okay. With that said, I'm going to jump right into my conversation with Mary. I hope you all have a wonderful week and enjoy. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. I am too. I, as nervous as I am, I am really excited. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've been listening for a while and I really appreciate it. Uh, and we've known each other on Peach, which most people won't know what that is. Um, I, I think since the beginning, honestly, yeah, I joined dude. it super quick and yeah. It's crazy. Um, for <laughs> Peach is, it, it's like an eating disorder support community. Um, I've been on it since 2018. That's crazy to think about those numbers. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great segue into who you are. Um, can you just introduce yourself for all the listeners out there? Yeah, I can do my best. Um, I'm Mary. I, I am... 31 years old I forget sometimes um <laughs> that's a mood <laughs> I'm a bartender at a big sort of upscale golf resort in the central coast of California um working there for 10 years I've been dealing with an eating disorder depression all that great stuff for honestly as long as I can remember um <laughs> cheers to that yeah or, <laughs> maybe pour one out for that <laughs> um, I'm, I'm drinking a seltzer, by the way, if you can't see me. <laughs> um, and, you know, right now, everything, I'm sure just because of the pandemic, it really brought up a lot of things, but um, I felt like I was doing okay for a while. And now it's just kind of like, ding. What does that even mean? Okay. You know, I feel that's different I, right. for everybody. Like my okay yeah. might be someone else's like worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly my okay at the time was getting through it right survival <laughs> yeah. and that's honestly you know, a huge achievement yeah definitely I think about that a lot these days like you know I get up in the morning you know I do my best to take care of my pets I do my best to just kind of exist um right now I am on um disability leave so that's a lot of Fun. Um, I'm sure you'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling today in this moment? Um, I think I'm feeling okay. Like, I think I'm feeling not overly overwhelmed by anything, I guess. That's good. Which is my okay for the moment. <laughs> hey, that's, that's honestly the goals right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you from California have you grown, grown up there I grew up in Sacramento honestly I was born here in Monterey uh but my parents were, are both CH retired CHP now so they did kind of transfer a few different places so I don't know what from, CHP means oh California Highway Patrol oh okay okay yeah so you know they transferred to Southern California to be closer to family and then you know how family is too close to family Oh God, uh, so, yeah. And they transferred up to Sacramento and I was about four or five at the time. And they decided for me, they wanted me to grow up stable in a, an environment that I could, you know, not be stressed out by moving constantly, you know, finish my up to high school. 
And then I went to school at UCSC, UC Santa Cruz, and jobs were scarce there, unless you had some sort of career lined up, uh, which I didn't. I still haven't been to California to this day. I oh, know, gosh, you should I don't come. really know much about it. <laughs> I plan to eventually, don't worry. But um, yeah, I, I know nothing about it. It has its you know, pros and cons, just like anybody else. But I'm, right. I feel, I feel pretty thankful and I'm glad that I did grow up in California. So, so, so you're glad that yeah. you did stay in one place growing up rather than like move around a lot. I think yes. But, uh, you know, you always wonder like, what if, what if we had stayed in LA? What if we had moved somewhere else? You do you know, think about that, that a lot? Like what if? I do think about the what ifs often more often than I should because it definitely contributes to like mental health well-being <laughs> well yeah let's talk about that so um growing up what was your family like uh did you talk about mental health were there any mental health issues you were aware of from an early age um we definitely didn't talk about it very much one part of it is uh I grew up catholic my mom's catholic my dad's catholic almost all of our extended family is catholic so it's kind of like you know, go to confession and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh God. It's funny. The, the episode I'm editing right now, um, he's also Catholic. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. My, uh, condolences. <laughs> yeah. I grew up, I grew up super religious too. So, um, yeah, but yeah, Catholicism is a whole different thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was kind of like a little bit of that, a little bit of, uh, the fact that both my parents came from, uh, my mom came from a family of nine. My dad came from a family of 11. Uh, so it was kind of like they're on their own dealing with their own things. They didn't really talk about, you know, parents, I'm not trying to shit on my grandparents, but with that many kids, you don't have, you don't have time to give individual attention regarding anything to each kid oldest of seven here <laughs> oh gosh that's fun uh how many <laughs> siblings do you have I have two half brothers from my dad's first marriage uh, okay. but I think the youngest one is 11 years older than me and as much as we tried to you know kind of create a family bond it just never never really happened wait I need to interrupt just someone wants to say hi <laughs> You see him? oh my gosh is I, that um it's a little thing yeah you're I um, love so you. because the listeners can't see i have a black cat as you know and barry <laughs> has a black cat as well i do they're he's, like twins uh, he's napping right now he's hella grumpy so <laughs> <laughs> dude the pictures you posted earlier of, i was just dying like i love your cat so much What's his name? Goofball. Uh Jameson. Jameson. Uh, because my boyfriend and I uh drink a lot of Jameson. <laughs> I love that. Actually, Ruby was named after a beer. Uh the <laughs> oh fuck, what was the name? The Ruby Redbird. Um, it's some I can't believe I forgot. It's a Texas. Shiner. Shiner Ruby Redbird. Okay. Uh okay. Yeah. We we got her in July and Ruby is the July birthstone. And my ex was like drinking a beer and I looked at it and I was like, Ruby. <laughs> yeah cats, that's amazing cats named after alcohol uh, is the way to go apparently yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so you did you have a, a couple of half brothers you said yeah but you grew up pretty differently from your parents very very much differently i think they kind of wanted to uh they felt all the negative impacts of the way they grew up so they i'm assuming they figured oh you know, she's going to be an only child because that's what we wanted when we were a kid. I, 
when I was a kid, I wanted so, so bad to have, you know, a sibling. I wanted so bad because it, it, you do feel kind of lonely, you know, yeah. especially I, I grew up as like a shy, anxious kid, you know, afraid to do anything. And I feel like hearing stories from my friends, like, oh, my brother, like, beat me up or like, he teased me, blah, blah, blah. Like, not, oh. not like an actual, like, I'm yeah. not, like, um, but Just I feel like, like that really would have <laughs> toughened me up. <laughs> you know, as a kid. <laughs> well, it, it goes back to the what ifs. You just don't know. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> ah, that's why exactly. I, I, that is a really dangerous place to get sucked into because, mm-hmm. oh man, in, in a way that's why I know I, I don't want kids I mean we're kind mm-hmm. of skipping ahead too because I, you're talking mm-hmm. about abortion today and um, that as we know is a very delicate topic and you know a topic that I want to approach respectfully and yeah so I don't want to say anything that's like dismissive of having kids or anything like that but mm-hmm. for me I know I don't want kids personally because uh there's, I could talk about it for hours, but I'm sure there's a myriad of reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All that to say, um, I do, I have a lot of respect for parents because they don't know what they're doing oftentimes. And all they have is the what ifs, you know, like you only get one chance Mm -hmm. at raising a kid and it's scary. And there, there is, there's books, you know, millions of books, but there is no true manual on how to raise a child. Yeah. So, so you were pretty lonely growing up then and anxious. Yeah, Yeah. I was pretty lonely. Could you talk to your parents about it? Like, did you feel like you could go to them with your feelings? Definitely not. Definitely not. I think the few times that I did try and go to them, it was more like everybody gets sad, you know, everyone gets stressed, you know, you're fine. You'll get over it. It's just a fact of life. Which in some sense it is, but uh, I don't know if they realized, not trying to say like, oh, I'm special, like whatever, but I do feel like it was on another level with me Mm. when you're considering, not necessarily considering, but contemplating suicide as an elementary school student. When you're in second grade and you look at your thighs and you're just like, what the fuck are those? (laughs) Yeah, that's It ain't right. That's That's not normal. No. So I'm assuming you have been diagnosed now. Yeah, I was diagnosed, I think, for the first time in high school um, by a counselor that my my parents, it was a family counselor, so that was a lot of fun. It was three of us in the room, plus the ther- therapist counselor. Oh, God. I reached out to her later in life and uh, looking for a diagnosis, and she said, yeah, like, i diagnosed you with depression and anxiety. So that was the first. Um, and then in college, I, because of the, what is that book? DSM? Yeah. DSM, whatever. Uh, the latest one is DSM-5, I believe. Okay. Well, I think the one prior to that, or one of the earlier ones, the criteria for anorexia nervosa did include BMI, did include uh criteria and so because I had only missed I think it was two periods instead of three periods Jesus Christ <laughs> they had to diagnose me with eating of eating disorder not otherwise specified oh so do you, uh, <laughs> do you want to kind of sum that up for the listeners like if they don't know this what the story of if someone isn't intimately familiar with the eating disorder criteria yeah yeah I can do my best um we'll say what it used to be as opposed to what it is now like people might not know why that's problematic 
Well, I think with anorexia nervosa at the time, it was like uh, your BMI had to be in a certain range or under a a certain number rather. You had to have missed, I think it was three periods. Which, Um, yep. (laughs) Sounds so, and binge eating disorder wasn't even in there until relatively recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's really messed up. Uh, We're still making a lot of strides, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it used to be a lot worse. Yeah. So you basically had anorexia, but they weren't diagnosing you with it. Exactly. Like everything was there, like restricting, you know, I I basically fear of calories, fear of food, you know, a lot of things that people that have eating disorders that are the restriction type uh, and maybe others, you know, I'm, I'm solely speaking for myself. Right. Uh, You make these rules for yourself. Like I can eat this tangerine slice, but only at this time of day, if I don't eat this other thing. You basically had anorexia, but they weren't diagnosing you with it. How did that make you feel? Like, were you, well, first of all, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. How long have you, had you been dealing with that at the time that you went to college? As far back as I can remember. Um, There's a specific moment in second grade that I remember where I looked at my arms and my thighs and I was just like, that's not right. Um, and I, I've always had super weird eating habits as a kid. I, I, I would fuck up a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I love that shit. But for some reason, eating it at lunch in front of other people, like I always threw my lunch away. Probably ties into the anxiety too. Yeah, for sure. Having people watch you eat is scary. It is. And like at the time I, you know, I didn't feel like afraid of food. Like I do now. But I'm sure subconsciously I, I was, you know, I, and my parents would make me breakfast in the morning, just like, you know, egos, <laughs> which I, I totally appreciate. And I'm so grateful to them for that. Um, but as soon as they would leave the room, I'd grab them and throw them away. And I had to like stuff them down in the trash at the bottom of that trash. Cause my dad would like go through the top layer of the trash and be like, what the fuck? You didn't eat your egos, bitch. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't call me a bitch, but. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, that just adds to the guilt of it. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I grew up in a really big family and we didn't have a lot of money. And so it's like on top of having an eating disorder, I felt guilty for wasting food. Absolutely. Yeah. So so you, you got diagnosed with eating disorder not otherwise specified. And I did want to add to that. My, my therapist at the time specialized in eating disorders. God bless her. She was a savior to me at the time. Um, we were dealing with insurance. She wanted to see me twice a week. My insurance would only um, cover once a week because of my BMI. Of um, I think I'm 5'8". Um, me too. But if, yeah, 5'8 crew. <laughs> <laughs> but if she wrote down that I was 5'9", it would place my BMI into the correct allowable (laughs) to get that uh approval so shout out to shout out to her for really helping me out fuck (laughs) yeah she really was she helped me so much yeah after college like how did your how was your mental health during college because that was you you were leaving your hometown was was that for the first time uh yes and you were also dealing with all these you know the eating disorder and anxiety Mm -hmm. i'm assuming like how how was that for you during those years? Uh, it was pretty, it, I, I wish that I could have had like a little bit more independence um, because I want to say four or five of my close friend group in high school also got into UC Santa Cruz. So we, I kind of had 
already a built-in social circle, which was great in a lot of ways, but I feel like it did kind of um, limit me. It did yeah. kind of keep me in this like safe space. Like I'm not going to push my boundaries, you know? Yeah, for sure. Do you still uh, know those people now? Like, have you maintained those friendships? No, just, you know, your basic, like, I liked their Instagram picture. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, they kind of went their way and um, I went my way. You know, I was going through pretty bad depression in uh, college and I, I did drop out. Okay. I think in my junior year, I dropped out. I was just having a lot, very, very severe depression, not leaving my bed for several days at a time. Um, and that is actually when I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar. So it kind of my diagnosis evolved to that. What, what did your parents think of, of all that? I didn't tell them. <laughs> That's not the kind of relationship we have. But I, I did drop out and I tried to stay in Santa Cruz for a little while because I, I was in a long-term relationship. Although it was, um, I considered it an unhealthy relationship, but the same therapist um, who helped me out so much with the eating disorder told me, no, that's an abusive relationship. Um, oh, wow. And you trusted her? Yes. Um, but it was still really hard to accept. You know, it was just bad, you know. Sorry, I'm smiling. It's, there's a dog behind you. You're saying yes, that you're, you're telling me this really sad story and I'm just like <laughs> smiling. <laughs> yes. This is my little puppy, Apollo. He's a velociraptor. <laughs> He's very handsome. <laughs> Um, wow, that sounds like so much. <laughs> and it sounds, it sounds, I'm, oh. I'm so sorry. Can we no, like pause for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Your, your therapist told you to break up with that boyfriend, mm -hmm. and you did. I did not. You did, you did not? I did not. Oh, shit. Okay. Sorry. So, so tell me what happened. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, at the time I was just like, no, like that, that wouldn't happen to me. You know, I'm just dramatic, blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical things you say to yourself when you don't want to accept the truth. Um, uh, and I was also living with him at the time as well as his brother and a couple of his friends. And I felt so alone. I, I really was isolated. Looking back on it, I, you know, he did kind of isolate me from any friendships, whether like long standing or burgeoning friendships. I felt super cut off. And so I was afraid to live on my own. Like, how would I afford that? How could I do that? Yeah. What was I supposed to do in that situation? You yeah. Know? So yeah. I kind of had to. I felt like I had to. No, no, I, I've been there. Like, it's it's really hard. You could not pay me to be like to go through my twenties again. Like, oh god, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I'm, all, I'm still in my twenties technically, but no, yeah, it's the worst. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I feel like it shaped me. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, so how long were you in a relationship with him? Three plus years, I think. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And did, did yeah. you tell him about your uh, your new diagnosis when you were diagnosed with bipolar? I, I think so. I think I did, um, but I can't say for sure. A lot of that is kind of like, you know, fuzzy, blocked it out. <laughs> yes. I think it's really interesting how, as a coping mechanism, you kind of block out memories. Yeah. Like, has that happened to you a lot? 
Yeah, I was actually, I contacted an old friend from high school saying like, she came out with her story of a rape that happened to her of a mutual friend, a friend that was in our, our little circle um, that he raped her, you know, and she was too afraid to say anything, blah, blah, blah. And I actually reached out to her too, because I was raped in high school, although it wasn't by any, it was by basically a stranger. Um, And I, I was confused at the time. Like, did I just get raped? No, it was my fault. It was just sex. I'm just stupid. Um, so a lot of people just thought that I had cheated on my high school boyfriend. Um, so, and like, she asked me like, Hey, like any of those people, like that, like shitted on you that called you a liar, like, let me know and I'll block them. And I didn't know how to respond because I'm like, I barely remembered it, you know, just kind of, everything's just kind of fuzzy. That's how you survived. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't couldn't talk about it at the time. So you just Mm -hmm. kept on and forgot. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I'm sorry that happened though. But I I mean, did you connect with her after? Like, are you friends with her still? Uh, We have, we've been chatting back and forth a little bit, but I think she lives elsewhere. I'm not exactly sure. So it's not like, I'd love to go out with like coffee or something, but you know, we do what we can in this day and age. Right. <laughs> Just connecting over Instagram is like pretty significant. Right yeah, now. for sure. Um, this is kind of a tangent, but I know you grew up Catholic and then you all, you also had this horrific sexual experience happen to you. Like how has that shaped your view of sex and sexuality? I think at the, at the time, um, in high school, I was so like, religion is stupid like who would believe that dumb shit blah 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 so like to me having sex was you know I didn't feel like I was offending God or going to hell or anything like that but I think the way my parents reacted I didn't tell them I kept a journal and I wrote about my experience in it and I did write I I don't think I used the word rape but I, I didn't just say, oh, I had sex with this person. It was so awesome. It was great. Um, I wrote about like the confusion that I had in my head. Like, was this okay? Should I have done this? Like, was, did, you know, um, and my parents uh, went through my room, which was a common occurrence and they read my journal and my mom talked to me and was just like, I can't believe you would just give it away like that. And that's the thing that really stuck with me. That's the thing that made me feel like a bad person. Yeah. You know, not necessarily the religion, but. That's that. just heartbreaking. Now, had you received any sort of like sexual education prior to that? Uh, yes. You know, we did like the fifth grade, sixth grade videos that are just kind of awkward and everyone's just kind of like looking at each other like but not trying to look at each other in the eyes and just like ugh. <laughs> yeah I was homeschooled so I never got that experience <laughs> but uh I, it, I can't it can't have been much better from the education I got whatever yeah. that was mm-hmm. um yeah that sounds very confusing and I can't imagine that you talked to many people about it after that oh yeah I didn't even tell my best friend in high school Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you think that had any um, impact on your eating disorder? Were you, did you have an eating disorder at that point? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember uh, one of the things that my rapist said to me was 
I specifically remember him saying like, you're like the skinniest girl I've ever seen. And that my heart just flew when I heard that. I was like, this is amazing. This guy is so great, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> so That's so fucked I, up, but also like that's yeah. a pretty typical response. Yeah, so. I feel like people could call me skinny and like get away with anything. <laughs> 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 oh that's so terrible uh oh i'm so sorry <laughs> you know what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah so um did you tell your your college boyfriend about it about the rape like were you talking about it at that point or or i guess i should ask like is it something you talk about now or is it still kind of something you keep hidden it is something i talk about now um i don't like to talk about it I think I eventually did tell my college boyfriend about it because the sexual relationship that we had was leaning towards BDSM mm. and submissive dominant and obviously it got triggered, you know, yeah. and had a panic attack and tried to explain to him what happened. And then once I did explain what happened, I figured, okay, he'll, he's going to understand if that happens he's going to understand if I feel like not okay having sex. And one of the things he said to me was, you know, I, I just don't understand how sex can not be fun. Have you tried being a woman? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's such a, Oh, that's such a man thing to say. Dude. It infuriates me to this day. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. I, I just don't even have a response to that. I was just going to say, like, I would never, ever wish that sort of trauma on anyone. However, I wish that they could just get a little snippet of, like, what it does feel like, you know, just just so they can understand, just, like, please have compassion, you know? And it's not that hard. All please. you need to do is, like, talk to me. Exactly. Just talk exactly. and be willing to listen. That's all. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. all that it takes. You don't need to go out and read books. I, I mean, you can if you want, but, like just listen to me that's all it takes yeah god that yeah. that's uh and, and yeah. like while we're on the topic like there's nothing wrong with bdsm or anything like that but like yeah. consent is key yeah you need to but both be on the same page before you even go there mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh, yeah so so he just didn't like after that conversation did did like what happened I don't really feel like anything changed. Okay. It, everything kind of just went back to business as usual because there is that part of you that I think a lot of people don't like to talk about um, that in some people that have been raped later in life, you know, that sort of thing is like, you know, there's rape fantasies. People do get off on that sort of thing. And I am one of those people. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to explain it at all, but it never was a part of my fantasy or something that I would think about, you know, when I was younger. But now after everything, it's just like, I am interested in BDSM and like that sort of thing. I'm so ashamed to say it, but like that, that sort of thing like is in my mind, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's totally confusing. I can imagine. <laughs> First of all, yeah, there are, there's nothing wrong with that those kind of fantasies. It's pretty pretty normal, even I would say. Um, but for mm -hmm. you, I can yeah, I can imagine how confusing that would be. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 something strange to deal with. <laughs>
Yeah, and and no one really talks about it either. That that sounds like kind of a big taboo mm-hmm. in and of itself. You know, rape fantasies are taboo, but for rape victims, like, do you feel like almost betraying yourself when you have those fantasies? Yeah, definitely betraying myself and betraying other uh, sexual assault survivors. I feel like I'm doing them a disservice and like, you know, making light of their trauma, you know? Have you ever talked to a therapist about it? Um, about that specific aspect? Um, no, I haven't. That's going to be a hard one to tackle. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, I, I don't have experience with that. I don't know how I'll I would even go about talking about that. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you you can tell yourself like, this is normal. I'm not a bad person. Yeah. But your brain s- says something else. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you're with that college boyfriend. Uh, when did you eventually part ways? I um, left. Santa Cruz since um, I wasn't going to school. Um, my parents had moved back to Monterey um, from Sacramento. So um, I decided to move back in with them to kind of get things sorted, get things figured out. And, you know, I think he left to pursue a job in Southern California in Catalina. And so it was kind of like, we never really broke up. It just kind of ended. How, how was that for you? It was kind of a, a relief, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, like, were you hoping for a breakup or like? I I wanted to break up, but I felt like I couldn't. Yeah, understandably so. Your whole life was with him at that point. Yeah. Did he ever meet your parents? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. How did, how did they feel about him? They really liked him, as far as I know. Yeah, I don't think they really... He's He's pretty charismatic, you know, but... Yeah, I never told them like the nitty gritty details of our relationship. I, I can imagine that's not something you talk to your parents about ever. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so have, have you stayed in Monterey since then? Yeah, since then I've, I've been in Monterey that there's a shitload of jobs here. So it was kind of like, nice. Thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you go from not having money and struggling to like moving somewhere else, where it's better you're like I could have been living like this the whole time are you kidding me Mm -hmm. (laughs) although I do have to say like while I was in Santa Cruz um even if I could find a job I was not even close to the right mental state to hold down a steady job for sure yeah tell me about that like the years leading up to where you are now once I moved to Monterey you know once I was out of that relationship it it did really feel like a weight was lifted off my chest I got a job as a cocktail server at a bar and, you know, like I said, I'm incredibly shy, incredibly anxious, but being forced into that kind of situation where you do have to put on that like smiley, bubbly, happy face, you know, fake it till you make it. I literally have a sign (laughs) up here that says fake it till you make it. That's amazing. Yeah. Customer service like turned my whole life around. It really did. And, you know, there's a shitload of shitty aspects of it, but I do want to say that it, it helped me a lot. It did help me a lot. I gained so much confidence, you know, met a ton of people and I felt like it did kind of give me that tough skin that I wanted when I was an an only child. 
because anybody that's worked in customers for service knows that uh, customers by and large are pieces of shit and will treat you like literal garbage. Yep. So you just have to learn to brush it off and continue with your day um, and not bring it home. And it really helped me learn to do that. Yeah, I, I remember the, the first time I cried at my coffee job and that was the last time I was like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want these people to make me feel this way. Exactly. But that doesn't make it easier. Yeah. How um, was your mental health during this time? Was it getting better, staying the same? Um, I think it was getting better. Were you in therapy? In therapy, no, but I did have a psychiatrist. I, I was on medication. Okay. I at, When I did move to Monterey, I felt confident and okay enough to um, taper off of Effexor. What, what is that? Effexor is an antidepressant. I think it's in the SNRI category, serotonin, uh, norepinephrine, reuptake inhibitor I want to say better than I can do (laughs) (laughs) I'm impressed Um, and I think it's terrible uh for me I don't some people it's worked wonders but um you know while I was in that relationship it got me through one of the hardest times of my life so going to Monterey I tapered off um effects or I think I started taking uh Lamictal a mood stabilizer Okay. bipolar and it it's helped so much it really has nice I think that was the only thing I was on at the time I wasn't really interested in going back on anything like effects or after those withdrawals they were like literal uh, hell yeah <laughs> I, I think any drug you need to be careful when going on or off them like it's so important to not only educate yourself but be like have a doctor who can who knows you and can mm-hmm. tell you like this is to what to expect. Yeah. Yeah, and and even then there's no guarantee that it won't suck. So. Yeah, it's for sure. It's definitely a hit or miss. Mhm. So I guess does that bring us up to like the present day like um to, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about the years leading up to now and like what like set the stage in a way? I guess there's like a few things I I started working as a bartender um at a golf course and at this golf course, you know, there's caddies that help with, you know, the golfers and, you know, everybody that works on the golf course, caddies included, where we all, everybody knows each other. And I did start a relationship with one of the caddies and like, oh, this whole relationship just seems like a nightmare. So it's hard for me to talk about it a little bit, but he was 30 years my senior um, divorced once before, had a kid who, who's grown, who is like, I think he's like five years younger than me. So that's something. Um, crazy. And I'm not trying to shit on anybody with an age gap relationship because I, I believe they can work, you know, in the right situation, they can work the right two people. They can work. There is no rule. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But in this situation, it wasn't right. And while I don't want to call this person abusive, the same things sort of started happening um, that happened with my college boyfriend. More and more, I became isolated from my friends. Um, I was working two jobs at the time, and he was upset that I wasn't spending enough time with him. So I quit one of my jobs. Uh, Because I quit one of my jobs, I couldn't afford to live in my apartment anymore. So he was like, hey, come live with me. 
So I moved in with him within six months of starting that relationship. He didn't like me going out with friends because I, you know, I'm in my mid twenties. I like to go out, you yeah. know, go to a bar and stay out late and have fun and like, whatever. Um, it, I've just been um, listening to a few podcasts about like abusive relationships recently. And the, what you're describing sounds like this stereotypical abusive relationship. Like, you, you know, you start depending on them and they start wanting more and more of your time and you start losing yourself. Is that what was happening? I, I absolutely lost myself, like completely lost myself. You know, I loved working my other job. You know, it was super fun, but he was upset that it was taking up too much of my time. So I quit it and just a lot of that sort of thing. And growing up, I'd never really believed in marriage. I never wanted to get married ever. To me personally, I saw no reason for it, but he very much wanted to get married. And I kept telling him like, I, I don't want to get married. I, I was explicit in saying, no, I don't want to get married. I'm not interested in getting married, please. Uh, so we got married. <laughs> how, how, like what? <laughs> How did that come about? Did you just get tired of fighting him on it? Kind of. I, I figured, you know, this is something that's really important to him. You know, I should do this for him. And when was that? Uh, we got married in 2018. What did your parents think? Were they happy? They, they liked him well enough. I could tell my mom liked him more than my dad did. I honestly spent the majority of that relationship drunk, high, or on a variety of pills prescribed or otherwise <laughs> yeah you haven't really talked about uh substance abuse yet it, that is, i know that's something that you that you've dealt with in the past or i don't know currently i have yeah um and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to but. no it's okay i was just kind of thinking about like how it would relate to the situation like um you know in high school i kind of did everything i was like whatever let's you know, in high school, you feel invincible. So you're like, I'll try this. I'll show that. You feel invincible. And especially like if you're sad, like. Yeah. Self, Self-medicating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine why you would turn to it even more so in that relationship. Yeah. And he didn't mind me drinking, except when we were out, he would get really upset. He didn't want you drinking when you were out? Yeah. If, if we wanted to just go just a dinner and then like a bar maybe but that's what you do at a bar uh yeah so when we would go out to eat or then to a bar like once you know you start acting tipsy which is bound to happen because you're drinking he would get really upset he would get upset he would oh it was bad it was so annoying did any of your friends notice like the controlling behavior yeah my best my best friend noticed but um you know, my coworkers and my friends noticed, but they didn't really want to say anything, I guess. I can understand that too. You know, I'm not trying to like say they didn't anything, they did anything wrong. Yeah. You know, I felt like, you know, this is right. Like, this is just what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. You know, this is just mm -hmm. how it is. But, you know, as the relationship progressed, I just started, you know, I was already prescribed clonopin through my doctor. So I just kind of abused that. I started taking like Oxy. I would get Xanax, Valiums for my friends. So I was always on something, you know, just to try and get through the day. 
in the night. <laughs> yeah, just surviving. Yeah. And then I think 2019 beginning, no, the beginning of 2020, you know, I, I never cheated on this person. I was never unfaithful, never thought about anybody else, never had a crush on anybody else, nothing like that. But, you know, I did go out drinking with my coworkers one day because um, it was the end of a really busy week and I got super fucked up. Um, and one of my coworkers basically admitted his feelings for me and, you know, always felt a connection with him, but I always felt like it wasn't reciprocated. Like, no, we're just friends. Yeah. Um, and I did end up, I did cheat on my husband that night. And then that's when the relationship was over. So I, I left him for my current boyfriend, you know, so we're both kind of going through this together because he also left his girlfriend of like a nine year relationship. So it, it was really rough and we both feel horrible, you know. But still, it, it didn't happen out of the blue, I'm imagining. Like, there's reasons. I don't want to tell his story, but, um, right, right, right. you know, we, we both kind of felt like we were on autopilot. We both kind of just felt like, you know, well, I guess this is my life now. Like, th- like, this is going to be the rest of my life. It sounds like um, it happened really fast. It happened really fast. And that was February 2020. So what happened in March 2020? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. I can't even imagine. So were you, did you guys move in together? We basically moved out of um, our perspective houses, respective houses, um, had nowhere to go. So we basically like, best western hopped for a while you know we did that like we slept in his car for many nights Mm. you know we were homeless for a while and we found an apartment literally the day before california implemented the stay-at-home order oh my god yeah i'm like if i were sitting in a chair i would be on the edge of my seat (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy yeah it was it was a time it was a moment. <laughs> and were you still both working at the the same place throughout all this? We were, but um, because of everything that was happening, um, like I basically was calling in sick the whole time, like getting people to cover my shifts. I hadn't worked in like a month. And then that happened. So it was just like, guess we're out of a job for a while. Oh my God. Yeah. So we've been together for like literally together, together for a long time. And that kind of, I guess, gets us up to where we are now. Yeah. So tell me about well, what you've been going through recently. If we want to like jump into like dealing with abortion, um, you know, I, I went off of birth control um, years ago because I, I believe it was affecting my body negatively and you know, was just using other methods of, um, contraception, contraception. What, um, were you on the pill at the time when you went off it? I was on the pill at the time. Yeah. Okay. And then when I got with my boyfriend, I was already feeling reckless. You know, I was already feeling like, fuck it, screw this. I don't give a shit about anything. We're just like, fuck a condom. Like we, I straight up told him like, Hey, I'm not on birth control. Um, and we, we both made the choice to have unprotected sex. So, and everything was going fine and dandy up until, 
uh, June when I, I remember I had already missed a period and the period before that was hella spotty, but I thought nothing of it because when you're not on birth control, your periods aren't always normal. Yeah. You know? And I mean, um, if you deal with eating issues too. Exactly. And, yeah. All the other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was used to that kind of thing happening, but I specifically remember being in a dressing room, um, changing, seeing my stomach, looking at it and just being like, I look fucking pregnant, man. <laughs> you're like, this isn't even the body dysmorphia talking. <laughs> Straight up, bitch, you're pregnant. <laughs> oh my God. So wait, before you continue, uh, what were your views on pregnancy before that? Like, did you ever want kids or not? Or um, Until I met my current boyfriend, I'd never wanted kids okay. ever. But being with him now, like, I feel hopeful. Like I do see a future. I want to get married to him. I would love if it happened to have a kid with him, you know, it's yeah. just the hugest difference between him and other relationships that I've been in. I've never felt like this hopeful and yeah. So it's, it's really nice. I can tell like you, you just talking about it, you, you <laughs> look so different than when you're talking about the other dudes, like, uh, sorry um back, okay. to, back to the trauma <laughs> so when did you take the pregnancy test and find out like for certain I want to say I took it at the beginning of June okay. um I took it and I was just like it's probably gonna be no you know it's probably gonna be no like I've taken I've had pregnancy scares before and it's always been no and th- this time it wasn't what was your reaction I was just kind of like okay <laughs> I didn't get visibly upset. I didn't, I like, wasn't crying or anything like that. I was just kind of like, Oh, I got to deal with this now, you know, because uh, I'm in the middle of getting a divorce Uh, financially. I'm fucking broke. And honestly, I'm not in a very, I'm not in the right headspace. My mental health just isn't up to, I don't want to bring a child into this world how I am now. Right. You know, I want to be in a good place. So I spoke with him about it, was just like, you know, is it, is it okay? Cause I told him, you know, back when I told him I'm not on birth control, I value your opinion. I'm going to talk to you about it. Cause it, I view it. It's our, it's my body, but it is our child. Right. That's just, I'm not going to impose that on anybody else. That's just how I think about it. He supports me in whatever decision I want to make because of what I just said, like, yeah, I need to get an abortion. So call Planned Parenthood right away. I think there was like a phone interview, phone assessment. And I had written down, like I had a period in, I think it was April, but I did mention that it was spotty. So that could have, you know, I could be pregnant. I could have conceived before then. Okay. So it could be further along than that. Um, but they said, no, probably let's just go with your, I think it was five, six weeks pregnant. Um, and with that, you can take the pill. I I think it's a pill. I've never had an abortion. So I want to like, I don't know much about the different methods. I think with that method, um, there's something that you dissolve in your mouth and that I want to say that helps relax and dilate your cervix. So that when you take the pill that actually terminates the pregnancy, it, uh, flows through. Okay. And that one can, the actual physical abortion can last like a couple day, 
or longer ordeal, depending on the person. Were you scared going into it? I think I was more scared of being further along than we had assumed and then having to get like the surgical abortion. Mm. And sure enough, like I went in, they took the ultrasound and I was 10 or 11 weeks along. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the pill was out. Um, I had to schedule an appointment for the procedure. And then I was like fucking scared. Yeah. Um, what did they tell you what happened? Like, how did they prepare you for it? Basically, um, a similar concept as the pill. You let these things dissolve in your mouth to like relax the cervix. And then I can't remember if there was something else that I took. I think there was like, I think it was ibuprofen for if it got painful when the cervix dilated. And then I opted for a uh, sedated procedure. So I think they gave me uh, an injection of fentanyl and I want to say mirtazapine, but it's some sort of benzodiazepine. So it like relaxes you and it gives you pain. It felt great. I was fucking happy as shit. (laughs) So I'm sitting there, they gave me the injection. I'm just like, fucking go for it, guys. This is awesome. Love (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I'm on the verge of making some very inappropriate jokes that a lot of people would like probably quit the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) so just continue i i don't know how graphic people i mean you can edit out anything you want if it gets yeah too and graphic. i'll put trigger warnings and stuff obviously okay yeah. um so when the doctor kind of like went in to begin um so i it wasn't general anesthetic it was uh it was just pain and uh a benzo so I wasn't under, like I was aware of the whole thing. And she said that um, my cervix wasn't dilated enough. So she had to manually dilate it. And that any kind of positivity, any kind of like happy feelings I was going through was gone, <laughs> gone, like sent, sent me into like a panic attack. It was, it was horrible. I got Morena and okay. when they open, like when they open my cervix, like that's the worst pain I've ever been in in my entire life. Yeah. And I, that's not even as much like I wasn't even getting like a fetus taken out of me. So <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. Because I have to say like cramps that I get um, before having the abortion weren't really ever that bad. But it was basically like cramps times a million you could feel like the deep pain, you know, in your uterus, but it like, I don't know, it like sent shockwaves, anxiety through my whole body. It was horrible. And then there was, it's, it's basically like a little suction vacuum cleaner that they put in there. And that was nothing. I could sense it, but it really wasn't painful at all. It was just kind of a sensation. Um, and then it was over. Uh, and they sent me into the little waiting room to kind of recover, make sure, you know, the medication wears off, you're doing okay, you're not excessively bleeding. And everyone there was incredibly nice and compassionate and kind and God bless Planned Parenthood. And yeah, I want to mention that when I first got there, you go into the lobby and as I'm waiting in line to speak with a receptionist, I look out the window. Of course, there's protesters there. And I actually see somebody that I know. <gasps> no. Yeah. yeah. So that was a whole nother thing. Oh, my God. Did they see you at any point? No. 
I don't, I don't think so because the, uh, it's a second story. Um, so they were in front of the parking garage and like, that was the worst feeling in the world. I want to just give a big fuck you to that person. Uh, go fuck yourself. You're a piece of shit. And, um, fuck you. <laughs> ah, seriously. It, it's, it's so, it's hard to talk about because we both grew up like very religious. I'm assuming yeah. you grew up like pro-life or whatever. Uh, and which is also, I say anti-abortion now. Cause like, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that later. Like, yes. but <laughs> It's it's very, I know it's complicated because I grew up in that bubble and I was brainwashed into thinking that abortion was murder for the longest time. And mm-hmm. now that I'm educated and everything, I know it's bullshit, but like they're super angry because they literally think murders are being taken place. Like yeah. literally. Yeah. And you cannot convince them otherwise. And it's just and you're already going through the worst time of your life and and like that's the last thing you need is to feel like mm-hmm. a criminal I, yep. i'm getting heated now sorry this is your no story. it's okay i i yep i'm right there with you i am so sorry that i mean i'm i'm so happy that you had the access to that and that yeah. you were treated well uh, yeah absolutely that's amazing and and what is your um your partner supportive of you and everything afterwards definitely yeah he took care of me (sighs) that's good yes wow well (laughs) i think we'll stop there because that's a lot to process uh (laughs) you have been absolutely amazing uh and not awkward at all by the way like you're okay good yeah you're you're doing great and i cannot (laughs) wait to come back for part two where we talk about all the fun stuff that goes along with abortion and yeah yeah but yeah thank you so much yeah thank you thank you for making this so easy of course (laughs) yeah just hit me up and um take care of yourself yeah same to you yeah same to you bye bye thank you hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of pickles and vodka if you can relate to anything we talked about, you can follow the podcast at Pickles and Vodka Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook by typing in Pickles and Vodka Podcast. You can also email me at picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com if you have any stories or if you just want to say hi. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe.